Welcome to the Conversations As You Go podcast. It's really great to have you with us. And it's also a really great pleasure to introduce on this podcast Sue, Sue Ash, the new chair of the Praxis Board. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we uh, said farewell to Toby, our last chair, and Toby um, gave us uh, some really good words of encouragement and his perspective. Uh, and it was really good to be able to honour Toby and thank him for his work. But equally, I am excited to be able to introduce to you Sue, the new chair of the Praxis Board. Let me just put a few words that I think describe Sue. Um, Sue is a leader and she's influential. And uh, from that point of view, we're uh, really excited to have her um, bring her leadership and her influence into Praxis. But there's a lot of other things to Sue. Apart from that, she's an incredibly resilient person and has walked out her walk uh, over the years with resilience and perseverance. She's really sharp. She's a sharp thinker. And uh, as you uh, hang around Sue, you really um, uh, see the sharpness there. She's incredibly hardworking and um, uh, yeah, it makes me want to pull up my socks when I'm around Sue just to just to keep up with her. But coupled with all that, she has a, a tremendous heart for people in all scenarios, all kinds of people. Uh, it's a bit like Jesus' heart for people that aren't accepted, people on the margins. She's caring. She's warm. She's a critical thinker. She's a change agent, and she brings effective change. And underlining, underlying all that is that she loves God with a passion and that's, that exudes out of her heart and life. So with all that introduction, Sue, it's great to be able to introduce you to the Praxis community. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Thank you, Dave. Um, no high bar. <laughs> My gosh. Um, in thinking about what I can tell people about myself, I thought there'd be two or three things that might be interesting to people. Um, one, obviously, is about my family. Um, I'm the mother of two adult children. Um, mm. Both of my kids, who are now late 30s, early 40s, uh, are married. Um, and between them, they have four children. Um, my grandchildren. I was not necessarily someone who expected to have grandchildren, so they can, those four kids continue to be my del a delight in my life. Um, I was married for eight years, many years ago. Um, my husband and I um, were uh, thinking, believing, moving forward as though God was calling us into what we used to call tent maker ministry. Um, we thought we would end up in rural or regional Australia. Um, five years uh, into that journey of ministry, so towards the beginning of our ninth year of marriage, Graham died suddenly. Um, and that was um, certainly a turning point uh, not just for us as a family, but for me in terms of just having a, um, a, a period of wondering where God was going to take us. Um, and I can tell you that God has been incredibly faithful in terms of 
affirming there was still something for me in the kingdom. Um, I came to follow Jesus in my mid-twenties, which um, for many uh, people brought up in a Christian home, as I was, um, isn't the normal route. Um, I really struggled to see the gospel in action in the church that I was part of. Um, I trained to be a social worker um, and I probably spent the best part of 10 years um, moving in and out of trying to figure out what does... How, how does this Christian thing actually work? So I, I knew about Christian form, church, etc. I saw the living change that Jesus made in people's lives, including in my sister and brother's lives, um, but I couldn't figure it out for me and I couldn't see what I was reading in Scripture enacted and it was better to leave than to stay in Struggle Street. Um, however, I was I was surrounded by some great friends, one of whom said to me at one stage, as I was actually about to move countries, you actually need to choose, Sue. Um, either Jesus is real or is not. Mm. And... Uh, the timing of that question for me was really helpful because there was nothing about needing to conform to a relationship with Jesus that was through an institution or through structures or rites or whatever. This was a deep, penetrative question of you need to choose. In fact, I think she said... If you stay on that fence, it's going to be very uncomfortable for a long time. Um, so it was very helpful. And um, that evening in Papua New Guinea, um, I made a choice to follow Jesus and wow. to be free of the shackles of what that looked like, albeit that I've been part of the church ever since. But there was a mm -hmm. freedom in that choice. Um, so more than 40 years on, I still feel as though I'm, um, there are days where I've matured as a disciple of Jesus and other times where I shake my head and I despair at how many times I have to keep relearning basic lessons. And in that just, I'm often overwhelmed at the grace of God to continue to want to be in relationship with me. Wow. Wow. That that's a great great story and so many so many areas to delve in from Graham dying suddenly and um the also the the questioning of of faith through institutions versus a well fronting up to Jesus and and saying because it is ultimately all about him mm. and how how we respond to him mm. and and for from unfortunately uh, for for many Jesus stands behind the institution and you have to navigate the institution to get to Jesus 
um, what happened with you was that, yeah, Jesus was not behind the institution. It's like he, he just stood up in front of in you. Fact, and in fact, in spite say, of the institution sometimes. Right, right. And I think that's, uh, that's reflective of a lot of Aussies, isn't it? Um, uh, and they're, they're walking away from not necessarily Jesus, but what they see in and unfortunately mm. the radicalness of Jesus and his his teachings is captured or neutered behind the walls of institutions mm. that uh, change change that yeah. I know that yeah officially officially I might say that you retired uh, a couple of years ago um, but I haven't actually seen you um, grab a caravan and go and sit on a coast and and uh, throw a fishing line out. Um, uh, wh- what are you currently doing, uh, Sue? Well, I um, I figured out probably six months into um, retirement that I needed to actually redefine the word or I was just going to constantly feel like I'm a hypocrite. So nothing like changing the definition of a word to actually <laughs> help with your own integrity. Um, so retirement for me these days is defined as not working full-time um, because I've worked full-time um, from three months after Graham died, um, which was more than 35 years ago. Um, so I left my career in community services. I'd worked in that area in various different places. I'd taught at unis, I'd been a CEO for 20 years. I'd worked in senior government. Um, um, I So that career uh, at one level was um, coming to an end. Um, and as I left work, um, I knew it was the right time. I was incredibly tired. I had worked hard and long um, and I uh, I did a couple of things one I decided that um, in preparing for retirement I just had to slow down so mm. slowing down meant that I um, I just limited my diary to four things a day and mm. My diary used to run at somewhere between nine and eleven things a day, so that was that was really slow for me. And I gave myself permission for six months to actually um, include a sleep in the afternoon as one of those things, and that was fantastic. Um, but I also had a sense that God was going to use this next period of my life in a different way. Um, I love um, some of the early 20th century Impressionist paintings in an, uh, by Australian painters, including some of the women. And one of the women who painted in that era is a woman called Grace Cossington-Smith, and um, she she painted some amazing impressionist photos, uh, impressionist paintings of Australian landscape back in the twenties and thirties. Mm. And one of her uh, paintings is a painting of Taramara Road. Now Taramara Road 
I know these days because my uh, brother and sister-in-law um, used to live in in that area in Sydney. Um, but the, in the 20s and 30s, it was just a road with um, paddocks on one side and paddocks on the other. It's beautiful colours. I think it's in the New South Wales Art Gallery. If anyone lives in New South Wales, it's worth going and having a look. But in the painting, um, the story goes that she decided she had to put something on the road, not just the landscape. And so in the painting, there's this tiny little impression of a person and um, uh, a slightly bigger painting of a person on a horse and dray. And um, that um, painting has become a metaphor for retirement for me. So two or three things. It actually sits in my lounge room. Can't afford the painting, but I can afford a postcard. Um, but it's been a great encouragement because I prayed that God would take what he needed and wanted out of the old paddock and use them in the new paddock. And I didn't know what the new paddock was going to be. I didn't know where the tilling of the soil would be, who would be there, what the seeds that um, would be sown, how I'd be part of all of that. Um but the horse and dray just told me that it was, you know, encouraged me to go, life can be slower but still meaningful. Mm. And then the little person on the road, um, there's no, it's so small you don't know whether the person's coming or going, but there's such a lovely opportunity in that painting to think that the person's heading towards a future or maybe they're moving away from something, and it's very unclear. But that hope of a future when you're leaving something, um, not just a future now, but a future eternal, has been really helpful. So that tells you a whole pile about um, me because pictures and drawings and diagrams and things are part of how I communicate with people. Um mm but also those pictorial metaphors. Um, God's used all the time through my life. Um, so what does the new paddock look like? Um, I'm working a day a week in the professional standards role at Baptist Ministry Centre. Hmm. And um, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting space because professional standards usually means you interface with all the things where people have not worked um, yeah. or lived according to the professional standards. So it's the messy part of the church, including um, all the um, allegations of sexual abuse. Um, mm. I've been chair of our local church board um, for the last two years and been on the board for four and that comes to an end in a couple of weeks and that's given me space to accept the invitation to become chair of Praxis. So that's pretty exciting. Um, a year ago, uh, in February 2020, the world was confronted with COVID and my four things a day life of retirement got challenged with a phone call from the Department of Premier and Cabinet in Western Australia asking me whether I 
would come on board as a special advisor around the community um, and the community response to COVID. And I've been doing that uh, and continue to do that now. Um, but my primary role these days with government is as the independent chairperson of the quarantine advisory panel for WA. Um, in my four things a day, I committed to both of my children's families to have they could have a day a week uh, because my kids have shared my life with work and various other things for years. And so I still do two days a week, one with one set of families and one with the other. And so mm. my um, most consistent role, I think, these days is being Grandma Sue. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot there um, to unpack and just... Um, that, that sense of contribution that continues on and drawing from the old and and um, uh, going into the new and continuing to serve God. But also your your experiences has pushed you into being able to just uh, help in well, the professional standards role um, officer at, at uh, with the Baptist Church there, pushes you into realms of um, compliance and and standards, which is really a helpful perspective, um, and uh, also work with the government. But yeah, we're so blessed, Sue, to have you on on board of Praxis now as chair. Tell us what attracted you to Praxis. I mean, why why Praxis? It seems an odd one out of the ball. Um, so there's probably two things that have attracted me to Praxis. Um, over the years, I've worked uh, in governance and leadership and management of not-for-profits and churches. Um, increasingly, people who are on boards are being held personally and organisationally accountable for good governance. Mm. Um and I'm less inclined to take personal risks in that space um, than I used to be. So having been um, privileged to sit on the Praxis Board, I have been very impressed at just how well governed and managed the organisation is, and that's credit to all that have gone before. Um, so as Praxis becomes 10 um, mm. the idea of being able to maintain or continue to ensure Praxis is a, a well-governed, safe organisation is is um, something that um, excites me um, and certainly contributed to my, my definition, you know, my decision to actually accept the invitation. Um, but probably the other thing about Praxis is that there is... Um, I think, a through line between where Graham and I were heading, which was very much um, about engagement with community, with groups of people um, and making uh, opportunity for people to come to, um, to connect with Jesus and to do that through scripture. Um, um, we... I, I, you know, so that was always part of my engagement. My thing about, um, I've always been part of the formal church, but I've never seen that as being the only way in which uh, the church functions. Um, and then about two years before I finished work, Jill Burt, my sister, invited me to um, 
praxis training session that was held in Melbourne and um, I was able to spend the week there with many of you um, and with David Watson teaching and um, I was delighted with what I heard um, and the thought of being able to make a contribution um, through the board to Praxis and the work of practice, Praxis was um, a no-brainer for me. Mm. Fantastic. Um, uh, how do you see some of our future challenges in Australia and beyond as the church? Um, well, I come from a position where I just think the nation of Australia has changed. Um, I, I've, I've worked in an area where I've watched the demographics and the and, and things around Australia, um, and I my world is with people who are outside the church, not people within the church. Um, so, I, I think. For the first time, um, I think the last census, so 2016, said only 52% of the population of Australia identify as Christian. Um, That's down a lot from the census before and the census this year, I expect, will probably tell us um, that change has been exacerbated. Um, People within the church and outside... uh, um, have changed in terms of views about gender and sexual equity. Um, 23% of our population now live alone. Um, When I lived in Canberra, a third of couples of child-rearing age were choosing not to have kids. Um, They're just some of the demographic changes and and the social changes. Um, So... For me, um, the question is, if that's the case in Australia, um, what does it mean to go and make disciples of Australians, um, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded? The promise that surely I'm with you always, I I can testify um, too, but the challenge of what the heck does that mean when you're ministering yeah. in Australia is um, is very personal um, because the nation that I've worked in has been Australia, but the Australia outside of the church. Um, many people I found have become inoculated to the gospel, um, and that looks like um, a cynicism. Um, in how the institution of the church has functioned, use of power, um, issues around gender. I've lived most of my life as a single woman in the church and I've got to tell you that's an interesting experience. Um, And for I've got friends in the church and outside whose children are gay. Um, And... It's a very complex space to navigate, and yet I think Jesus calls us to to be in that space um, and to grapple with it, because He calls us to to love Him and to love others with all our heart, soul, 
mind, etc. Mm. Um, and I think um, I think the Australia of today, like many parts of the world, um, uh, is now impacted by COVID, and COVID has changed the church, and it's changed our communities. And um, my concern is that we have become more separated. Um, we're in segments. Older people are treated differently to younger people. Inoculated people are treated differently to not inoculated people. And some of that division and divisiveness has entered into um, our church and the way in which we function within the church. Um, and I just think that um, we need to model something that is um, true, in my view, truer to the gospel and much more um, uh, demonstrating the the hope and healing of the gospel, not the division. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Hmm. Just um, what what contribution do you think Praxis? makes in the spiritual landscape of Australia, which is quite a challenging landscape, I think, as you've painted it. Um, um, I listened to Toby's podcast and I was reflecting on what I've seen in Praxis, both at the board and in, in the, the practice of Praxis. And one of the really critical things um, is the importance of prayer. Um, and it's been an interesting space for me. I've lived most of my Christian life alone. Um, and I've, from time to time, been part of home groups. But one of the things that Praxis has both encouraged me with is prayer and challenged me with is prayer because much of the prayer uh, in Praxis is corporate. Um mm. And I, um, I'm relearning how to pray in a in a group. Um, so, um, what does practice practice offers? It obviously prays, and that's fantastic. Um, and it prays consistently, and it um, and people in in practice expect to pray um, all the time, unceasing, in all sorts of different ways. Um, and I reckon if in, if God uses practice for anything in my life, it's going to actually teach me um, to to stretch into um, praying in different ways that are, have not become and not not comfortable for me. And that's great. And God keeps um, stretching us uh, to be His people, not just people comfortable with Him. Um, the the second thing about practice which excites me is that it. Um, now, praxis would ter use terms like multiplication and, and others. But for me, what it says is that um, praxis doesn't see people only as individual people. Praxis sees people as part of community. And the social worker in me, the public policy person in me, says that's rare these days. We are so individualised. Um, that I, I get very excited about the fact that all of Praxis is actually about 
working with groups, working with families, working with communities, working with um, um, uh, an expectation that there's um, that people are connected, that there's leadership in those groups, that there's agency in those groups. I mean, I just... It is such an important and powerful contribution and I'm not sure people in praxis understand what that's going to mean if it takes hold in an individualistic community like Australia or the Australian church even. Um, So that's pretty powerful for me. Um, um, And and in that, I think there's um, opportunity to actually minimise... uh, the aloneness that many people experience in our community. Um, yeah. I think there's also um, a great confidence in the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think there's a, um, the world that I come from, um, we are quite um, structured, you know, you set. KPIs and you identify result areas and and that becomes the end point as opposed to just a tool. So I see mm. some good leadership and management and all those things, but there is still an expectation that God's in control, the spirit will give growth. Um, the uncertain and unknown are likely. Um, you know, that's... That, for me, is about honouring God and never believing that we are more than or less than what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It, it's, um, there, there's, um, you know, we talk in terms of uh, seeing communities that are pre-existing in culture and society becoming groups of disciples gathering around um, the teachings of Jesus and growing together mm. and multiplying mm. within that context of, of groups. And that's a, that's a great reflection. Also, your statement on loneliness, and it was Mother Teresa, I think, that said the disease of the West is loneliness. And, um, and uh, when you jump into non-Western spheres, the con- sense of connectiveness in family, extended family, what the New Testament would call oikos, which is not just the nuclear family, but the mm. extended family with those who are working in the family business, and mm. that um, you know that was the basis of church planting was mm. the oikos concept. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, and and the work of the Holy Spirit. I've been work, meeting with our leaders, uh, trying to devise strategic plans, and uh, we looked at Acts thirteen just yesterday, where the leaders met together fasted and prayed, and the Spirit said, set apart from me Paul and Barnabas. And I said, that's probably the title of our strategic plan, Acts 13 plan. And the Spirit said, set apart from me Paul and Barnabas into the work I have. Yeah. And yeah, to be led by the Holy Spirit, but also to be intentional, focused, doing our best. Um, um, and um, not Making unjust. tough decisions sometimes. Yeah, yeah. These are great reflections. Um we talk in terms of movement and catalyzing people everywhere. It's really different to hierarchical organizations that are 
top top driven. We're talking in terms of um, uh, catalyzing people within very a number of different communities um, to actually take hold of the teachings of Jesus and to to obey them and live them out within their context. And yet we have this thing called the organization of praxis. So sometimes people would look at organization and movement as contrary things. Um, what, what, do you, why do you, what do you think it's important for praxis as a board to exist, its role, its contribution to the vision of movement? Um, how, how do you see that interplay? And um, um, yeah. Um, well, at the core of me is at a professional core of me is social work and social work is all about social systems mm. um, and um, I I um, so my, my sense of how you do this is all about both my professional training but my reading of some of the key passages around church or ecclesiology in the in the Bible. So I'm a pretty simple soul. So one of the critical pieces of scripture for me is about how systems work together. There are head and feet and toes and arms and you know all that sort of stuff. They, but that that sense um, of being part of a whole but called to different roles or responsibilities is a really important part of my understanding of church. Jesus being the head of the church, but how the church would work. We can we we've certainly moved language, but um, the principles for me are, are threefold. One is so, and you will all get to know me because I only ever think in threes. Um, the first one is that that we are, be it praxis or the wider church or the individual person or the individual, you know, none of us are everything. All of us are part of something bigger. Um, and all of us have uh, um, uh, a called into something bigger um, so the principles for me are there's there's always a, a space or an area that you're called to be part of um, and I don't come from a sense that that's the only thing that you're ever called to do because my life has been upended numerous times and I've had to actually change paddocks How's that for six different metaphors in one sentence? Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, so that sense of individual call upon your life and commitment to Jesus is, is evident for all of us, but none of us are, uh, uh, do everything. Um, and that's the same in an organisation or a church. Um, the second principle for me is um, we are um, we are much greater together than than separated um, and the third is the only way you do that is to be respectful to build trusting relationships and to be accountable 
Um, and those principles, I think, hold a movement together. They hold families together. Um, they hold us together when we are doubting whether we've got anything to offer. And they keep our egos in check when we think we've got too much to offer. Um, and from my point of view, the board at Praxis is one critical part of that system or the movement we call Praxis. Um, and so I look forward to being part of that part of Praxis. Um, and we are... We are nearly 10 and that's right if you take uh the metaphor of what that means in dog language then we're nearly dead but if we take it (laughs) as 10 in terms of a child developing Mm -hmm. we are at a really critical stage of the development of praxis um we are going into adolescence Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to take the metaphor too far, but I just think that uh, there are stages in our lives and there's stages in our organisational lives. There will be stages in praxis life. And um, being part of the board and providing leadership around that aspect of praxis is going to be a really important part of transitioning uh, the maturity of praxis of understanding where God's taking us in this world that we're now living in um, and the excitement of praxis being international, not just national. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's re- really um, a great reflection and um, it took me a number of years as a um, coming out of mission and just just looking at at the ministry aspect and, and to realize the importance of board and governance and accountabilities and a well-run um, board um, with leadership of us that comes from the board really empowers a mission to to fly basically and and I just um, I, I see such value and such importance um, in in that and many, Christian leaders um, reject it or just have it as a necessity or, or just uh, grit their teeth and bear it, as it were. But I've, I've just seen the value of it, the incredible importance of it. And if it operates well, it gives wings for the mission to fly and to go really well and uh, to, to accomplish that mission of movement and to have that. And so from that reason, I'm very excited about our board and I'm excited about you being on the board because I believe you, you're, you're both called by God for this season um, and uh, you can build on what God has started and that brings some of that giftings that you have um, to to us and it's a, it, God brings people as gifts to organizations and so there's a gift that God has given uh, from from his heart to us as praxis, and that gift is Sue, Sue Ash, and her her abilities to bring her contribution, as you just shared so beautifully, that part of the body um, of of doing that uh, vital contribution. So personally, I'm really looking forward to that gift of leadership, and your. It's not just 
we want a piece of your mind that's really sharper in this area, but it's you as a whole person that that you you come to the table, and that's the gift of God. And God gifts, and He says in Ephesians, um, you know, some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, teachers, evangelists, they're people gifts. And 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 when God builds His body, He brings to the body. Um, people gifts. The New Testament, um, the Jewish believ- believers needed a crazy Pharisee called Paul to break out of the boundaries, to to uh, break into the Gentile world. He was the people gift of a certain kind of leadership that that broke through and was, yeah, probably at times painful, but needed. <laughs> but I'm um, not talking that of you, of course. <laughs> but just a reflection of people gifts. People are gifts to to the body. And so I really value that and honor that in you, Sue. So thank you. Thank you for uh, being part of this. Um, any final words of encouragement that you have for us? Um, a little funny aside. I've just looked at the time and I thought, oh, I hope I can chair board meetings better than I can keep to 20 minutes on a podcast. Um <laughs> But um, no, I, uh, what I said before, I think Praxis going, is going into a second season. I think um, the contribution of the board to that is going to be really important. Um, I don't quite know uh, where that will take Praxis nor the board, but I'm really excited about um, being part of that next season. And Wonderful. um and working with everyone in the Praxis team, albeit that most people won't see the board very often. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, Sue. And it's really uh, a blessing to be able to talk today. And we look forward to more interactions and more as, as the board comes close and carries the vision of multiplying disciples uh, across this land and into the nations. Um, we look forward to that vital synergy that the board and yourself will bring with workers and and the ministry of fulfilling the Great Commission. God bless. Ciao.